Vox Quick Hits. Matthew Iglesias, Dara Lind, and Dylan Scott from The Weeds. Uh, our question today is, what is the Biden administration proposing that we do on long-term care and this sort of so-called care economy as part of their jobs plan? So the Biden White House, as part of their American jobs plan, um, has proposed a $400 billion investment in, in long-term care and specifically uh, home and community-based services. So they want to provide more money so that people who are able and who want to age at home are able to do so as opposed to, you know, going to a nursing home. And, you know, I think there are two uh, structural issues or two kind of important pieces of context uh, for why the Biden administration is proposing this. One is that, you know, prior to COVID-19 or the pandemic, um, there was already a long wait list about 800,000, 900,000 people who had said that they wanted home and community-based services uh, through their state Medicaid program, but who were not able to get those services because their state doesn't have enough money to, to provide them to them. Um, so that's that was one, you know, that was a kind of a pre-existing structural problem. And then secondly, during COVID-19, we've obviously seen the nursing homes, uh, the larger institutions hit really hard. Um, you know, we have about 130,000 uh, nursing home resident deaths uh, during COVID-19. And so I think that that made clear to people that like, you know, if people are able to to stay at home and if uh, if we're able to provide them more funding so that they can, um, that there's a potentially kind of a, a win-win here of both like, you know, we're we're going to give people what they want, give people more agency and control over uh, the kind of care they receive, either as they age or as they're living with a disability. And then also, like, you know, we've seen some of the health risks that can materialize uh, during especially, you know, a public health emergency and infectious disease outbreak. And there's some good data that shows that people who either stayed in, like, small group settings, and I, I imagine that would extend to people who lived at lived at home were, were much less at risk of contracting COVID or dying from COVID compared to people who lived in large nursing homes. You know, the point about small group settings is really worth uh, talking about a little more because the the existing policy reality is that for most people, the choice is the choice is kind of seen as do I stay in my house or do I go to, you know, whatever large institutional nursing home my, you know, children can find on the internet. There's a lot of there's there's certainly a lot of evidence suggesting that people really don't know what they're looking for when they're looking for nursing homes. And so it can be a very, you know, difficult process and one that doesn't necessarily result in the best outcomes. But there are alternatives, whether that's living with relatives and, you know, presume, presumably something the government could subsidize at some level, whether that's the kind of small group homes, Dylan, that you were talking about. And this proposal by making the thing that people express their preferences for now a lot easier kind of meets people where they are, right? It's not the sort of proposal that, you know, the that liberals are often kind of criticized by conservatives for where they're trying to shape people's preferences towards something that is more cost efficient or more pro-social. Uh, in this case, they're going with the existing option, which isn't necessarily seen as ideal in all cases and may not reduce costs in the long run, just because it is the thing that people say they want. And as Dylan was saying, in the interests of agency, as well as in the interests of just kind of 
getting things fixed faster, that's what they're taking care of. Yeah, this is an interesting policy area in that, you know, in talking to advocates and even to people who are more neutral experts, you know, the first principle really is, yeah, personal autonomy or personal agency. You know, there's the outcomes are a complicated thing to try to measure whether people like, you know, it, it seems in COVID, certainly people in, in either in their own home or in small settings fared better uh, than people in large, larger institutions. I think broadly speaking in non-pandemic times, it's much more of an open question whether uh, whether the outcomes are actually better. Uh, in terms of like health outcomes, I think especially, but we do know that like people report a higher quality of life. Um, they report better mental health if they're able to stay at home and in their community. And so I think, yeah, this is, this is actually a place where we just start from what do people want and, and how are we able and how can we give it to them? And it, and it seems, you know, the $400 billion is a, is a big number. I don't know if anybody really knows whether it's the right number or not. But as we try to seek a balance between institutional care, which will always be needed for some people, whether it's just because that's what they want or whether you know, they have serious medical needs that are only going to be met if they're in that kind of setting. Um, but we need to figure out some kind of balance between that and then, you know, mo- a lot of people's stated desire uh, to age in place. And so I think this $400 billion is, is an attempt by the White House uh, to try to, you know, push the pendulum back towards some kind of equilibrium. Uh, I think the question becomes, you know, whether this is the right amount of money. And certainly, you know, what we've gotten from the White House so far is is quite brief and undetailed. And so some of the uh, the important programmatic choices, I think, will be made uh, when Congress draws up the legislation. You know, I just want to note that I think opening up to this, this subject of long-term care, it poses some political risks in that, There are so many other aspects of care, like as a concept that you could go for. And they actually have like used this very broad banner of care infrastructure to sell a very specific kind of idea about home-based and community care. And it's going to leave a lot of people who are interested in other things, child care, preschool, um, nursing home saying, well, what about me? What about me? Um, and it'll be interesting to see how Congress deals with that because it's, it's hard to say no to people when you can't give them like a clear reason that like why their thing isn't in this bill. Yeah. And we've already seen a pretty broad spectrum in the House from, you know, moderate Democrats to pretty progressive Democrats raising childcare specifically as like, why isn't, if we're talking about the care economy, why isn't childcare a part of this? And so, yeah, I think it's an open question of, does more stuff get added? Because people, you know, have their, their issues that they want to be addressed, or does stuff start to get shorn off and we really kind of narrow this down to, you know, building brick and mortars, pavement, uh, those kinds of projects. To hear more, subscribe to The Weeds wherever you get your podcasts.